8.02 on a Tuesday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program, which we are now in the midst of. And it's brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Let's go to the phone lines. It's the Drancer now on the Halford and Bruff Show. What up, Drance? Gentlemen, good morning. How are things? Things are good. How are you? Uh, we're good. We are going into uh, today with a sense of optimism. Obviously, excitement at yesterday's <laughs> announcement with the 10-year extension. And we'll yeah, be doing Canucks, Canucks games and Canucks content right here on Sportsnet 650 for the foreseeable future. Uh, and then, of course, we're looking forward to tonight's game. Canucks got a chance to win their third in a row against the visiting New Jersey Devils. Let's dive right into that piece that you published recently for The Athletic, talking about things that the Canucks could steal from the Devils in terms of how they've rebuilt their blue line. And, you know, the timing was perfect because we just spoke with Matt Laughlin, a play-by-play voice of the Devils, and he talked up how big an addition John Marino has been to their blue line. So with all this as a backdrop, Drancer, go. Let us know what the Canucks could take from the Devils and how they've addressed their blue line. Yeah, I think I've just been trying to process the three moves that the Canucks made this month, right? Because in a lot of ways, they need to be seen as, as a part of each other, right? Obviously, you know, through trades are independent and we analyze them independently. But when you're trying to figure out a club's direction, you need to look at the whole. And as I sort of look through it and think about the in versus out of the past month for this club, right? Especially because we're still trying to figure out exactly how new management wants to approach this. You know, I think it helps to think like, okay, they've sent out a second Dickinson, right? Carving out that cap flexibility, which is valuable, especially for next season. A fifth-round pick, Jonathan Myrenberg and Mike DiPietro. And, and that's been the cost of adding Stillman, Stanika, and Ethan Bear, right? And I think when you look at it like that, right, there's things to like about all three players. There's things to like about the approach. But I can't escape the fact that, you know, these are guys – who certainly help more short-term than, than what the Canucks sent out, right? It's manufacturing short-term value, value from things that won't matter uh, on your team for three or four years. But, of course, over the long haul, right, even if a second to fifth and, and Jonathan Myrenberg are all relatively low leverage, I mean, the second's not, but Myrenberg and a fifth are, relatively low leverage in terms of impacting your club down the line, you know, the they're lottery tickets. There's, there's upside to all of them that, you know, could matter, could matter more than what the Canucks have brought in. Uh, especially once you factor in that the Canucks basically spend the space created in the Dickinson deal on bear himself. And, and as I've been thinking through this, you know, especially thinking about the devils and watching them play in advance of them arriving in Vancouver to play at Rogers arena on Tuesday night, a game that should be a ton of fun. You know, it it occurs to me that while the Devils made a similar kind of bet with Siegenthaler, who's become a really good second-pair defenseman for them, right? He's third on the team in minutes, uh, fast, smart defensively, 
really, really sort of, you know, arguably up there with Marino as, as one of their better defensive pieces, like purely defensive. It, it just struck me that, you know, that's part of the sort of strategy that can pay off in terms of rebuilding your blue line, but it's kind of insufficient on its own, um, especially because the Devils were able to trade a third that they got as like a third piece in the Taylor Hall deal. <laughs> to do the Siegenthaler trade, right? Right, and he came from the um, Capitals, right? Yeah, he came from the Capitals. You know, former first-round pick whose development had flagged. Um, you know, well worth the gamble, right? Like, very much in the Bear, Dermot, Stillman mold, even if none of those guys were first-round picks. Uh, but 24, right, wasn't wasn't really getting regular ice in, in Washington. Comes to New Jersey, he's been an awesome find for them. And so that's sort of like the best case, right? That's the best case for the Canucks as they make some of these sort of rolls of the dice trades on young defensemen. And and yet, you know, when you look at what the devils have accomplished the last three years, right, they have almost no mainstays from the top four that they played in 2021, right? This is an entirely new blue line. Right. Um, Ryan Graves and John Marino acquired it basically for the same price, a second and a a prospect in back-to-back summers, Dougie Hamilton. They went out and spent luxuriously on him. It's a contract that won't age well, but Dougie Hamilton's real good, <laughs> like really good. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they've been able to use some really high draft picks on defensemen who aren't even there yet in, in Luke Hughes and si- uh, Simon Nemich. And that's going to you know, potentially add some real nitrous to, to their blue line. But even right now, their blue line's capable of supporting the attack and controlling play. And, you know, the, might not be enough, right? They, they still need their goaltenders to just be fine. Like not even good, just fine. Uh, but and they, and that hasn't happened the last three years for them. But you know it has positioned them uh, really well, and it, and it's a totally revamped blue line, right? Like it's a totally new group. Something that you know obviously this team struggled with over the past four or five years. So I just wanted to look at the comparison, and you know, shocker, boys, I came away with the sort of conclusion that hey look you want to do this you need cap space mm. <laughs> and you need assets yep. and as i think about the trades that the canucks made right like one thing one thing about adding dermot bear and um excuse me stillman right is you know 1.5 million 1.45 million 1.8 million right they're not big deals right mm-hmm. a second round pick a third round pick a fifth round pick those aren't huge prices but when you combine it Right, particularly because your upside's a little bit limited with Bear and Dermot both being on expiring deals, right? Pending RFAs following the season. When you combine it all, it's like it actually isn't a small amount of money to be rolling the dice on, right? It isn't. It isn't actually a small number of draft picks that the club has spent, right? There's there's actually a fairly large cost on both sides, and I just sort of wonder if it's worth making deals that impinge on your ability to make the needle-moving trades, to make the Marino-type deals, uh, deals that limit your overall arsenal of draft pick weaponry and cap space. Are those deals worth making for a team in the Canucks situation? That's sort of what I really wanted to drive home in the article Mm -hmm. uh, because I'd suggest that making those types of moves might be missing the forest, the strategy this team actually needs. For the trees, which is the individual bets that they're making. And, and, you know, at some point, like we've seen this movie for a decade, right? At some point, we need to stop trying to kick the football. And that was really what I was trying to express, write, think about 
in this comparison piece. Well, one of the things that Halford and I have been kind of half chuckling about, but also half like, hey, maybe this is the plan, is going over a quote that Jim Rutherford had in a piece with Pierre Lebrun where he called what what they're trying to do pecking away at the Canucks roster. And these are kind of pecking away type moves when – Maybe what you – I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, there are already so many words in there. Um, that <laughs> are, are you basically saying, like, the Canucks need to do something more significant? In fact, maybe the word is, like, rebuild. Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. And I think so. I, I don't think there's any other way forward, boys. You know, I've been trying to work through it, trying to think through it, um, talking to other people around the league, watching this team – yeah, analyzing everything I can in terms of their performance, in terms of how they play, in terms of where they're at. I, I just don't know how you avoid taking a step back to open up the cap space and gain the sorts of assets that can give you like the flex to, to really make needle moving uh, trades. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's very complicated at this point. I think that needs to happen. I, otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to get messier, right? It's just going to like if you keep trying to go through, um, if you keep trying to go through the the square peg with this round hole, right? It's just going to get harder to pull it out. Well, here's where I'm at with this, and agree or disagree, I'd be curious to get your thoughts either way. Uh, it it feels like there's got to be another move in the not too distant future because again, I two parter one, I'm not 100 percent sure what the long term prognosis is on Pullman and Dermott. So maybe you can answer that. But then if those guys do return, you're looking at a blue line that, while maybe not high end, has 10 NHL caliber defensemen on it. So I feel like the we 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 kind of jokingly call it the peck, peck, peck uh, approach where they they just kind of keep pecking away at this roster and keep making these moves, making these trades. I feel like there's got to be another one on defense because right now is currently constructed. Yeah, there's injuries, but when there's not, there's way too many guys. Yeah, and I mean, you need to, I think, open up cap space before you could activate both players. Correct. So that would certainly imply uh, that at least one of them may be out for a while. And then you sort of throw in, um, you know, the club's lack of updates on on both Pullman and Dermott, and that sort of hangs heavy, right? That's sort of loaded. So I I suppose we'll see. Um, You you obviously hate to see that. And with respect to another trade coming, I mean – you know, I, I, I'm sure if the team continues to struggle, right? I mean, we saw the team struggle and, and the Canucks made two quick trades, right? I mean, this was more uh, the Rutherford experience, as it were, right? Uh, this was more in line with sort of the gunslinger approach we kind of expected when, when Rutherford took over. But, you know, the hard trades, the harder trades to make are the ones where you send out money always, right? And, and, that's sort of like it's hard to keep waiting for those <laughs> when you know there's been 10 months and we've really seen very little other than Travis Hamonic going to Ottawa where the Canucks have been able to do or execute one of those deals right everything else has been money in or money in money out or the Canucks paying a premium to move out 1.3 in, in cap space in the Dickinson deal um, obviously very difficult you know this is sort of what comes back to something we talked about a lot last season, which is if you want to move money, if you want to clear cap space, you kind of have to trade your good players, <laughs> not, not, yeah. not your expensive ones that the fans want to trade. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's a really complicated spot. 
it's a really complicated spot that they're in. And, you know, I, I don't know that pecking away, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know that peck, like, I don't know that a beak is going to do the work that a bulldozer might need to. Oh, save that one. That's actually good, Drance. Clip it. That's Thanks. actually, that's actually really good. Uh, Drancer, um, this is kind of a beak-like question, but what do you think the Canucks should do with Jack Rathbone right now? Well, you got to play him. I, I don't think they're going to, but uh, at least not in the short term. But I think you got to play him. Should they send him down to Abbotsford if he can't make the NHL lineup? Probably, probably. Um, you know, or at some point, you know, get get him the shot somewhere that he might play. But I mean, if you're not going to play on this blue line, what blue line are you going to play on? You know, like at some point, that becomes the truth of the matter. Um, yeah, I just, I just I feel really bad for the guy. You know, you turn pro three years, this is the third pro season, and he's played like less than 70 games in his career. It's pretty tough, right? It's pretty tough to improve or figure it out or get a rhythm considering how yo-yo-like his development has been overall. And so, you know, I, I, feel, I feel for him because he's got a ton of talent smart kid obviously works really hard and uh and yet you know he finds himself back on the outside looking in and in a pretty tough spot again for a third straight season it's um you know it's starting to feel like the defenseman version of the di pietro situation to be totally honest with you gentlemen Hmm. um we're speaking to thomas drance from the athletic vancouver here on the health and brush show on sportsnet 650 also on canucks talk on sportsnet 650 uh, I'm going to put this out there, Drance, just as a theory, just as an idea, just as a concept, and then you can take your answer whatever direction you want to go in. Is there any way or is there any plausible way that Jack Studnika and the acquisition might have been seen by this organization as a potential, just potential, Bo Horvat insurance cause? Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's got to be an element of that. Got to be. Absolutely has to be. Uh, this club doesn't have... You know, we talk about the defense a lot, and we should. But this club also doesn't have, you know, young centermen, right, off uh, outside of the NHL roster, right? Uh, Neil Zaman's been a nice find, but even that's a new piece, right? Like, even that was added this summer. And aside from that, you know, there's not a lot of options for this club to project as, like, future impact NHL players, uh, you know, under the age of 25 anywhere in the system. Um, and under the age of 25 is doing a lot of work there. <laughs> so Stunika at least gives them somebody, a body, a, a guy who's got, you know, upside potential, uh, is only a couple of years removed from being regarded in the industry as a real prospect, like a really intriguing piece. And he's under contract for next year for, you know, 780 something K. I mean, yeah, I think there's got to be an element to that. But I also wonder how much there's an element to diversifying what they have, right? Uh, we've talked about this, where you've got Miller, Pedersen, and Bo Horvat, all of whom are lefties, right? All of whom are sort of best suited to being like the offensive center in a one-two punch, right? Mm, right. None of them are uh, elite penalty killers. None of them are elite matchup guys, right? And as a result, there's a similarity in what they bring that sort of makes them as a group less than the sum of their parts, you know? Yeah. And Studnika at least is a little different, right? He's sort of not necessarily like, I don't think anyone projects him to be a top end defensive center, but he certainly has the work rate 
uh, where you'd think that he could be a PK guy. He's a right-handed shooter. Um, he's a little bit different stylistically, although probably pretty similar to Horvat, to be totally honest with you. Like Horvat's, you know, like likewise seen as a direct, relentless type of player, right? Um, Horvat's the better skater, obviously, but, you know, I don't know that there's a huge difference between Stanika and Horvat, but that's not a, I'm sorry, there is in terms of Horvat's quality, but in terms of just raw play style, I'm, I'm not sure there's a huge uh, difference between them, but nonetheless, Stunika's at least a very affordable roll of the dice to see if maybe you can, you know, mine some of the ability that Boston wasn't getting from him. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think there's a, I think there's an element to which he could be looked at as, as some insurance. And, and I think there's also an element to which he could be looked at as a player capable of diversifying, you know, a, a center group that, you know, is, is relatively like relatively not redundant, but they all sort of have redundant qualities to them, even if they all work together on the power play, um, you know, which, which sort of complicates Vancouver's overall team building um, approach. On the subject of Bo Horvat, what did you make of the comments that Jim Rutherford made to your colleague at the Athletic Pierre Lebrun? I'll read you the quote. This is on the negotiations between the Canucks and Horvat's camp. The contract, we have a difference of opinion as to where that number lies, and that's where we are at this point. Lebrun then followed up, do you still hope to get him signed? And Rutherford replied, yes. Yeah, look, this team's not going to be better without Bo Horvat, right? I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. And so if your priorities are short term, right, if your priorities are to continue to make the playoffs year after year, um, you know, obviously you don't want to lose Bohorbeck, right? <laughs> it's really simple. Uh, now, the difference of opinion on money, uh, we'll see how much Horvat keeps scoring, right? But he's put himself in a pretty good position to make an assault at 30 again, maybe more. Um, he looks really good to me, boys. Like, he looks like he's playing really well. Uh, I think the shot, I, you know, it's interesting. I, we watched the Sedin Twins, right? So we saw the way that an athlete in the NHL, you know, granted, we all know how aging curves work, but we did see that if you're smart enough and dedicated enough, right, you can figure out and add layers to your game, you know, even into your late 20s as you become accustomed to playing in the NHL, right? Like the twins completely changed their skating strides. Do you remember uh, as their careers went on, their skating stride got like more upright, but they got faster. Um, You know, there's, there's all sorts of things. The fitness level allowed them to play their style more frequently shift after shift. Uh, Daniel Sedin recently told me he didn't think they were able to do it consistently until 2009, (laughs) which I found amazing. They were like 10 year NHL pros by that point. Um, so, you know, I, I've been thinking a little bit about Horvat's shot because I'm watching him. Um, it was the the second goal that he scored on Jari where it was just such a deceptive release. If you look at his body before that he shoots, it, there's almost no indication that he's about to. Yeah. And obviously and obviously, it completely caught the the, the goalie off guard. And, and so I was sort of thinking about Horvat's goal scoring as if he were like a pitcher who'd added, you know, not, not clicks to their fastball, but a changeup, And all of a sudden their, their K rate spiked, right? Like that's almost what I, what I was sort of wondering about in, in watching Horvat play. And, and when he's in practice now, they'll be doing these rush drills and it's the same shot. Like it's the same, you know, the, the pressure all comes from the low hand. It's sort of a, a quick drag shot. And I'm just watching it, trying to see if I can 
understand or predict when it's coming and I can't like there's no way I can I, I, I bet you there's no way much more athletic and smart hockey people like goaltenders can um, and I think it's sort of added a layer to his finishing game uh, talk to him about it a little bit I think he's added or not added he's taken some whip away uh, gone to a lower flex um, of his stick over the course of the past summer um, and I definitely think he's been thinking about it and working on it a lot and that becomes a pretty interesting sort of story to watch here, right? Because Horvat's valuation as a UFA is going to be determined by a couple factors outside of his control, namely how much does the cap actually go up despite the NHL's rosy projections, right? Mm-hmm. What does Dylan Larkin sign for? And does Dylan Larkin come off the market? Because if Dylan Larkin comes off the market, all of a sudden it's Bull Horvat and basically nobody. And, and let's also be honest, like, does he still want to stay? How does this season progress? Right? Well, like, that, like, that, is a, that, is a good, that is a good factor to keep in mind as well. But, you know, Horvat's got roots here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they're I, – I, I wouldn't look at that as a concern, but obviously it could become one if the season really gets miserable the way the first two weeks were, right? And that lasts for months and months, and you get closer to unrestricted free agency and the Canucks don't move to close, and, you know, you're on pace to score 40, right? I mean, obviously a confluence of factors could, could get there, but I, I don't, I'm not looking at that as a major factor yet. Um, but, but, you know, the, the, last part, the last part of it too is if, you know, Horvat goes out and scores 35, I mean, that's going to be, he's going to have a very good case to get a big payday a big payday in free agency. And then, then it becomes, you know, the difference of opinion between Horvat and the league or in the Canucks, how does the league feel about it? Who does the league side with? Right. And that, and that ultimately shapes uh, an awful lot too, both in terms of his valuation and and where exactly the pressure points are, are at. Um, So, you know, it's interesting. I'll tell you this much though. So far I'm enjoying watching uh, contract year, Bo Horvat score goals. It's Mm -hmm. uh it's pretty fun to watch, and he's clearly put a ton of work into improving, like m- meaningfully improving in that area. It's why, even though he's shooting 22%, if you look at it, right, he's, he's been on an upward trajectory in terms of his shooting percentage for a couple of years now. Usually I'd say, oh, that's way overheated, and it probably is. But I'm not sure it's coming all the way back down to his career number right now because I think there's something meaningfully different in how he's going about beating goaltenders right now. Transfer, great stuff today, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight and then Thursday and then Saturday. We'll do this again uh, next Tuesday. Sounds good, boys. Bye. Bye. Uh, Thomas Trance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Vancouver Canucks. We have a jam-packed final half hour of the Halford and Bruff Show here on a Tuesday. Not only are we going to do humanoid what we learns, not only are we going to give away a pair of tickets for the Canucks-Ducks game on Thursday, we have a big announcement coming up about Halford and Bruff's plans for the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. That's all coming up next. Do not even think about changing the station. Keep it right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. For my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 
832 on a Tuesday, Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are also brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. All right. I've been teasing this since the beginning of the show. And really, we've been teasing this for weeks now because we've been working up to this point. Pretty stoked about this. Obviously, Jason and I are very excited for the upcoming 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Canada will be there for the first time in 36 years. Their first game is on November 23rd at 11 a.m. against Belgium. How excited would you say you are for this? Very excited. Canada is in its first World Cup since 1986, only its second World Cup ever. Looking to score a goal. That's all we want. Well, that's not true. We want more than that. But here's the thing. We wanted to make this a celebration, a party. We never know when this is going to happen again. Yes, they're going to make it in 2026 as well. So why not start getting World Cup fever right now? There is going to be an official Halford and Bruff watch party for the game on November 23rd, 11 a.m., Belgium, Canada. It's at... Nice. It's going to be at the Hollywood Theater. Uh, on Broadway in Kitsilano, an amazing venue. I did, for lack of a better term, a site tour a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It is awesome. So you've got the big theater. Was it like the site tour of the Box Factory? Uh, it was less exciting than the Box. The Box, the Box. It was right. less exciting than the Box Factory. My boy's a Box. Uh, so you've got Mr. The, box to text back in. You've got the huge theater screen, but you've also got two bars in the back. You've got theater seating, and table seating. Okay. Capacity, uh, I believe, around 600. There's a balcony with a third 600, that's pretty good. This is going to be great. So it's going to be a ticketed event. The tickets are going to be free. We are going to be live on location on November 23rd doing a one-hour national across the Sportsnet Network's pre-match show for Canada-Belgium. So you can come down, you can watch a bunch of football, you can watch a bunch of World Cup games. There's going to be uh, beer vendors on site. There's going to be food trucks on site. The concession stand at the Hollywood Theater is uh, supplied by Dank Mart, which is that cool snack store. Great great cereal. There you go. Love it. There's going to be uh, games throughout the World Cup at the Hollywood Theater. It is going to be your nexus, your center, if you want to catch almost all of the World Cup action from Qatar. There will be more details in the near future, including how you can sign up for tickets and more details on our watch party, but I want to make it official right now in conjunction with Daily Hive and with the Vancouver Whitecaps. Bruff and I are going to be doing a sort of Canada House and starts November 23rd, 11 a.m. kickoff, for the first time that Canada will be in the World Cup in 36 years when they take on Belgium. I am excited. That is what my what we learned, and I don't even care that it's weird. I want you to moo-cow it. Uh, now, Laddie and A-Dog want to go. If anyone has any questions, uh, hit us up on Twitter or get a hold of us uh, whatever way you want. We will be releasing more details about the watch party, the Canada House, everything that's going on at the Hollywood Theater in the coming days. Uh, at, at Laddie or A-Dog, who wants to go? Addy and Laydog? Addy and Laydog, whatever. Just Halford is so excited. I am excited. So excited. This is the most excited I've ever it, heard. I this is going to be you guys sitting it's by yourselves. It's honestly adorable. <laughs> I love being excited about things. I love to excite. Uh, Laddie, you go first. Okay. Well, we learned the Colorado Avalanche are a bunch of pranksters, you guys. They're on their way to Finland for a global series game. Against right. the, uh, the the reeling Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes. Yeah. And pra- Pavel Francouz 
got on the plane in New York. Did what a lot of people do. Immediately slaps on the noise-canceling headphones, puts mm-hmm. the thing over his eyes, and goes to sleep. Yeah. There was a mechanical issue on their plane. Okay. Everybody had to deplane and get on a new one. But they didn't tell poor Pavel. <laughs> <laughs> they just let him sleep. And by the time he woke up and got off the plane, everyone said, hey, welcome to Finland. We're here. And it took him a little while to realize that they just hadn't left New York. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He was actually convinced that he'd slept the whole way. He, they actually did convince him. Apparently, he How did. How good a sleeper. Do you? Ha- I am so yeah. jealous of he, Pavel Fransos. Well, they got an Empire State Building in Finland, too. It's <laughs> amazing. He, he slept all the way. Once no, they no, did no, get on like, the real plane, he actually slept all the way to he Finland. He said that he passed out the second he got on yeah. the plane. Oh so I guess he's one of those God. really deep sleepers. Yeah. I, I'm so jealous of guys like that. Yeah, I know, me too. I know. So I was, he deserved the prank is what you're saying. That happened to Jacob Markstrom when he was playing in the American League. I think it was San Antonio. It was with Ryan Whitney. And he fell asleep on a bus. And then they just left him. But they took the prank too far because it went back to the bus depot. <laughs> he said, sitting. He had to like climb over like a barbed wire fence. You know, those, the, the bus depots where they're all in there. He's like, this is not such a good prank. But that's a good one with him. So, uh, Mukau, that. Uh, a dog, I believe Quickly you now, also we have. Got, we got listeners here. We got listeners. Sure. Uh, I learned that Tage Thompson, Buffalo uh, Sabres Center, had a hat trick and six points last night. Yeah. He came to the game dressed up as Wayne Gretzky. And he tied Gretzky's NHL record for most points on Halloween night with six. I like I how Gretzky has that record. It's, like, I know. That they're collect- like, Wait who has the most points on Halloween? It's probably Gretzky. It's probably Gretzky. Let's yeah. assume so. Who has the most points on November 6th? That's so, probably Gretzky. Hold on. I, uh, here, hold on. I, I need to, I need to, like, how Andy, do you, well, Andy, hold on. No, I have no, a question first. I think I have a more pressing How do you question. dress up as Gretzky? Uh, we, you know, kind of the princess die in the 80s haircut, I think. And, Andy. Uh, what? Are you taking? Hold on, hold on, hold on, Andy. You've seen the compar- Andy get some fake news. You've seen the comparison before. Andy, are you basing this all off the one tweet from Ken Campbell, uh, where he says Tage Thompson came dressed up as Wayne Gretzky? Yes. Do you think maybe that he was referring to the fact that Tage Thompson matched a Gretzky record? And that that was the clever joke he was making in light of it being Halloween. I think you're right. <laughs> that he came dressed up as Wayne Gretzky. Did you, double che- did you double check? Did you double check? Do you have pictorial no. evidence? No. I just searched, I Wait, so anything. he didn't come dressed up as Wayne Gretzky? Is <laughs> oh what you're saying? God. Andy, is all this developing in real time yes. for you right <laughs> Are you Rick Dollywall? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm, ver- I'm very confused. Did he not come dressed up as Wayne Gretzky? The he, exact no. Tweet. <laughs> God, I love you so much. <laughs> I can't even be mad. <laughs> the tweet. I'm still confused. The tweet, the tweet which Andy sent me hours ago. <laughs> the amount of time you could have had to possibly prep for this. Hours ago, the tweet he sent me was from Ken Campbell from formerly the Hockey News. Here's what it says. <laughs> Tage Thompson has a hat trick and six points tonight. Came to the game dressed up as Wayne Gretzky. And then in brackets, Andy, in brackets, he writes... He tied Gretzky's NHL record for most points on Halloween with six. So he actually explains his own joke. Oh, you mean he was joking that he came dressed up as Wayne Gretzky? Yeah, and and by the way, calling it a joke is a real stretch of what humor is constituting. He's not alone, though. People in the the replies are are like Andy. I was reading the replies, and people assumed he was serious because it was Halloween. So you would assume a hockey player might dress up as one of their idols like Wayne Gretzky. But on on the way to the rink? (laughs) Well, it's not a stretch. It's Halloween. Guys get a little crazy. (laughs) 
I retract my wife. <laughs> Do you think it's possible actually he did come dressed up? I don't know. Why well, did, why did you double check this How does Ken stuff? Campbell and only Ken Campbell have this information? Because it's Twitter. I, I assume everything on Twitter is correct. But did you, as one does. But did you, did you think maybe, hold on a sec. Let's try and get a picture of this because there's probably some video of this. So let's just, let's just double check here. Okay, bruv, it was 5.20 in the morning. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm half Jesus. asleep. I'm not going to be researching what we learned at 5.20 oh, in the morning when I'm half asleep trying to do other things. I'm not going to research the information that I disseminate <laughs> I on am the radio going because to it's ass- too early. I'm going to assume that what he's tweeting is literal and make it my what we learned. God, you're adorable. <laughs> God, I love you oh, so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. You are so cute. Well, if Ken Campbell's saying it, it has to be true. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay, Mooka, that was actually worth doing. Yes. Let's let's go to the more trustworthy listeners of sports radio. Try and top that one. Uh, Drew in Vancouver, what we learned, the Cincinnati Bengals aren't as dominant as we thought. They lost big time last night to the Browns. Uh, another what we learned related to that game, Kareem Hunt can still carry the ball and hopefully go somewhere that needs him. He might get traded today. So well, the, uh, the, the NFL, NFL trade, trade deadline yeah. today, yeah. 1 p.m. our time. Um, I was actually doing a little bit of research on it to see if there was any way, shape, or form of the Seahawks making it. I deal. heard uh, Kareem Hunt came to the game dressed as uh, Wayne Gretzky. It's a fad now. It's catching on across the leagues. <laughs> I like how you made up the princess dye haircut thing. Well, because that's that's been that's been memed to death. I I, I assume. <laughs> Some, some sort <laughs> my, of sources are, my sources are telling me that yeah. uh, he came dressed up as Wingard. Uh, so I was looking to see if the Seahawks, because the Seahawks have a, a fairly decent history with the Schneider-Carroll regime of making trades at the deadline. Carlos Dunlap and Dwayne Brown. They've gone down the road before, but yeah. it sure seems all quiet on the Seahawks front. I don't really know. I mean, I know they could probably improve in a variety of areas, but I'm not sure the guys available would match up to what they want to do. The big one that's out there is... Alvin Kamara, if the Saints are going to mm-hmm. retool and try and recoup some of the losses. What's the Saints record? Uh, they are three and five. The thing is, what are they, one game out of first place in that division? Right. I think the thing they is. just is, shut out the Raiders. I think they've got real financial problems and a lack of draft capital. So they're saying, like, even if maybe. Like cap space, not financial problems. The New Orleans Saints no, no, are no. going bankrupt. Right. They? No, no, no. They're fine. They're fine in that regard. Uh, they've got a bunch of dead money. Okay. Um, and they've also got a lack of draft capital. Anyway, so there's something to keep an eye on as we get closer to 1 p.m. today. Uh, Dylan in Nanaimo, what we learned. Yes, thank you. Uh, Dylan learned how important defensemen like Kevin Bieksa are to the success of a franchise. Many of us already knew this, but it seems almost fitting with what the Canucks are going through right now, especially on defense, to pay homage to one of the better humans to come through the franchise, uh, how valuable and hard to come by defensemen like this are came up through our system, the right amount of grit, the right amount of skill and the right amount of leadership. Uh, just like Trevor Linden, this man epitomized what it means to be a Vancouver Canuck and we miss him. And Dylan in Nanaimo for that, what we learned, you have got the tickets to Thursday night's game against the Anaheim Ducks where the Canucks will honor Kevin Bieksa. They've signed him to a one-day contract, he will pair with Oliver Ekman Larson, <laughs> and they he's are expected over the, to be they are out over there. The cap now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> expected. So the Canucks have had to uh, put some guys on LTI. It's a cap penalty. <laughs> uh, no, you know what though? Like in all seriousness, Dylan's absolutely right. Very well said. I think it's important to draft and develop guys that want to play for the franchise, 
it's so cliche to say it, but like they bleed blue and green or whatever the Canucks are wearing, like bleed, I don't know, maroon on certain nights and then black, gold and some sort of gradient green. Like the blood is like, if a doctor looked at the blood, he'd be like, (laughs) you need some tests. You need some further tests. Go down to life labs. You need another doctor. (laughs) 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 Some sort of blood. I don't even know what I'm looking at right now. (laughs) I have never seen this before. You know you're in trouble you when your doctor's like, I got to get you to another doctor. <laughs> like, maybe you need to see a doctor on Mars because I don't think you're a human being. Uh, at any rate, uh, to bring it back, it'll be good for uh, the Canucks to honor Kevin BX. Uh, uh, he really was a Canuck through and through. I, I know he eventually played some games for the Anaheim Ducks, but it got to the point where he was almost doing the Canucks a favor by letting them trade him. Down to Anaheim. Remember, uh, Kessler wanted out first, and he was like, I'm out of here. And Bieksa was like, I'm going down with the ship. And the Canucks were like, well, we're going down, so why don't we trade you? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bieksa has always felt like a Vancouver Canuck, and there were a bunch of guys like that on that team, from the Sinines to Alex Burrows to, you know, like even, it seems weird to say this, but like even AV, I think, I don't think AV ever had a relationship with another team like he did with the Canucks. If I, you know, for the amount of stops that he's had in his career, yeah, uh, I would say that I would consider him a, a Canucks coach first and foremost, without question. Uh, here's one from Daniel in Richmond. Hashtag WWL what we learn. We'll go back to the NFL. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has been unlocked. Imagine if the Seahawks went out on a limb to get him. Could probably make it to the NFC Conference title game, and then who knows, anything can happen. Uh, I don't know about that, Daniel. The 49ers, when healthy, are much more positioned to make a deep playoff. It made more sense at the time for San Francisco. Two reasons. One, they went to the NFC title game last year. They know what they're capable of defensively. Two, McCaffrey fits exactly what you need to do with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. Don't make him do too much. Let him do the things that he's pretty good at, which is getting the ball out quickly and into the hands of playmakers. So surround him with more playmakers. I think what they did on Sunday, you saw what McCaffrey did, right? He ran for a touchdown. He caught a touchdown. He threw for a touchdown. He had some great punts, too. He punted a couple times. Um, What they they showed there, I think, was we are going to make this guy the biggest, most impactful Swiss Army knife we can. And then with him and Debo and Brandon Ayuk, Good luck trying to stop us, even with Jimmy at quarterback. Because mm. McCaffrey's a Jimmy sp- will do his best to stop us, but yeah. I don't think he can. <laughs> They're like, oh, Jimmy can only screw this up so much. We still have so much talent. Like, McCaffrey's a really good... Garoppolo steps out for his safety. Yeah. Come on! He's really- We're on the 20-yard line! <laughs> like, But that's it, though. If he doesn't do stupid stuff like that... Yeah. It, all due respect to the Seahawks right now, I still think the Niners are the team to beat in I, the oh, NFC West. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Matt and Ladner, what we learned, the beak or the bulldozer is the perfect title to summarize the evident division among Canucks Nation. Peck away at the edges or level the whole damn thing. Discuss amongst yourself. Drancer, that was honestly like, that was a great line. I I hope we clipped that line Mm -hmm. because that was good analysis. I don't know that a beak is going to do the work that a bulldozer might need to. Yeah. What a what a wordsmith. What a- and, and this all uh, comes about because Jim Rutherford had a quote to Pierre Lebrun the other day that we're just going to keep pecking away at the Canucks roster. Well, there are some people that are fine with that, and they believe in this core, and they believe that you just need to peck away at the edges and bring in more support for the likes of 
JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko. Uh, and there are others that are like, this core isn't good enough. Bulldoze the whole thing. Start again. Get cap space. Get draft picks. And I do wonder how much more pecking we're going to see, right? Just to add on. I know we've talked about this a lot today, but I do think that that's... Stop doing it. I do think that that's one of the things that is going to be over the next, I don't know, two or three weeks. It just doesn't feel like it's done yet. doesn't feel like they're finished because they haven't made that big exodus. Everything's been coming in. By the way, every time, just so you know how stupid the studio is, every time either Jason or I say the word peck... (laughs) Greg and Andy break into a synchronized dance where they pretend to be chickens and right. bob their heads forward. Well, you do it too. Yeah, but I do it when you're talking. Mm-hmm. But when I'm talking, it's it's harder. Oh, to- it's not synchronized. It's honestly <laughs> difficult. It's a difficult working environment right now with with Andy's fake news and I, the constant disinformation. Acting like chickens. Come up dressed like Wayne it's, Gretzky tomorrow. Yeah, you should throw them off. You honestly, someone should. should dress as Wayne Gretzky because Tage Thompson didn't. Um, I. It reminds me of the Arrested Development. When they all do their different interpretive chicken dances. Yeah. Yeah. Have any of you ever actually seen a chicken? <laughs> chickens don't clap. Okay, Chickens don't clap. Uh, the bear in Maple Ridge, what we learned, I just learned, I have to listen to you guys for 10 more years. Pain. Hey, listen, the deal was with Rogers. It wasn't with us. Yeah, I want to make that abundantly clear. There's no guarantees, as I said to Bear, that we survive this in the literal sense. 10 years feels like a lot. I also consistently play the Lotto Max, so right. uh, you know there is a chance that I'm going to win that one. And Bear, I don't know if Any you're now. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Jason and I have been fired publicly in spectacular fashion once before. <laughs> Who's to say it won't happen again? Um, no, but in all seriousness, it is as Samir from Office Space. It is nice to have this kind of job security. It's great. It feels great. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with the tenure extension. Uh, that Gary texts in nice. with what we learned. Kuznetsov taught me that there is no time limit on penalty shots. Did you see his uh, shootout attempt? Disrespectful. I put it in the group thread last night. He went real slow and then scored. There should be like a shot clock for shootout attempts. Like after like 10 seconds. No, I mean, I'm being kind of facetious. Uh, It was very entertaining. My my biggest thing they tell shooters on a shootout to mess goalies up is to mess up their timing. Right. And the best way to do that is your speed of how fast you're coming in. Come in slow and then change to fast or vice versa. I've taken a few penalty shots and shootouts in beer league. And that's how slow I go, but only because I'm so self-conscious about being out there. I'm like, I shouldn't be. Why am I taking a penalty shot? What's going on? You say that's your top gear. That's my. (laughs) It is my top gear. I'm like, if I go fast, I might fall. Um, But Kuznetsov did it intentionally. That was the slowest penalty shot I've ever seen. It was really Mm -hmm. slower than Jason Allison. I yeah, Patrick Kane's done a couple like that too. Yeah, Yeah, but but Patrick Kane, when you talk about screwing up the timing, he'll come in at at a reasonable speed and then slow down. Right, right when he's right yeah, in front Kane's of the goal. Yeah, Kane's all over the place. It's Some irritating. Of, I mean, Kane coming in, and I mean, he's just showing off his stick handling at yeah. that yeah. point. And Kuznetsov went slow the whole mesmerized time. Mesmerized the goalie. The big thing for me, though, as a goalie, is the changing of the speed. Because you're trying to gauge how how quickly you back up to how quickly they're coming in. Right. So if you're a shooter and you change that speed from really slow to fast, mm-hmm. you're going to mess with that goalie's timing. And I, I think it's one of the easiest ways to get just a little bit more net showing if you're a shooter that's going to come in and rip it. Here's an interesting what we learned from Dave, what we learned. Calgary um, has nine home games in their first 10 games, and their only road game was in Edmonton. So they will not leave Alberta for the first month of the season. Bizarre. Mm -hmm. 
I couldn't believe this when I when I saw this. Did you text. verify or did yeah. you, you a dog? Yeah, no, it's it's one? it's actually it's it's verified. Um, what's interesting too, though, is if you go on the secondary market, you can get in real cheap to some of these games. Oh, and I'll be curious to see what the attendance is for some of these games because I know a lot of the owners. As much as they like, and I don't want to compare it to the Canucks situation right now, but a lot of the owners, especially down south, they like to start the games or start the season on the road more because their fans get more interested in hockey as the season progresses. Correct. So they actually want the home games in the second half of the season because a lot of fans are like, it's the States, right? They're like, we're watching football. It's not hockey season yet. Hockey season starts in Canada when the season starts. Hockey season in a lot of the parts down south starts after the Super Bowl. Yeah, like March. Even in Canada, <laughs> it doesn't start that early. You look at the junior hockey schedules, which starts a little bit before NHL. Yeah. There are fights at every scheduling meeting to right. not have home games early in the mm-hmm. season because people just aren't thinking hockey in, in September. Not well, I'll be curious to see what the attendance is um, tonight, Thursday, and Saturday at Rogers Arena. Will we see some empty seats? There are empty seats for the Penguins game. I don't know what the announced attendance was. But there were some empty seats there, and that's pretty rare. Like, it's Friday night. Sidney Crosby's in town. I realize the Canucks were off to a dreadful start, let's be honest. But to see empty seats in the arena for, for a Pittsburgh Penguins game was, was a little bit jarring. Uh, so I got a pretty interesting what we learned here. Uh, it, it started with a conversation that we had, I think, during a what we learned. Ryan Gold, who most recently, just a couple days ago, won the Whitecaps Player of the Year. Remember how a while ago I, I said my big brain theory was that Gauld might become a Canadian citizen in time for the 2026 World Cup that will be hosted here? Remember yeah. that little yeah. conversation yeah. we had? So he was on a local podcast called, uh, it's AFTN. Uh, I'm, I apologize, not remembering what the acronym stands for in real time. And they asked him about it. And he said that he's pretty much done with trying to force his way or th- be optimistic about ever getting back into Scotland. Right. Call, because he... He never gets a call, even though he just won Whitecaps Player of the Year. They then asked him about the possibility of switching to Canada, at which point he kind of entertained the idea. All the Scottish newspapers and websites have picked up on the podcast. So if you Google Ryan Gauld right now, there's all these different Scottish rags talking about how he's ready to make his move to Canada. So it would have to be really close to the World Cup before he could gain citizenship. But another thing to keep an Mm -hmm. eye on, Moving forward, that Canada could have a really intriguing option on their hands. With that, we will get out of here for today. To all of you that have texted in about our World Cup party, I will try and text you back within the next 10 minutes for all the details, and we'll post some stuff on social as well. But remember, November 23rd, Hollywood Theater in Kitsilano, Halford Bruff Watch Party begins at 11 o'clock as Canada and Belgium kick off from the World Cup. We got to go. We'll be back tomorrow. Signing off, I've been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.